one-on-one with Atlanta Mayor Andre Dickens talking about the Atlanta Public Safety Training Center. I'm committed to making sure that we get something built that will enable our police officers and firefighters to train. Welcome to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Patricia Murphy, your host. Our other host, Greg Bluestein, is on a well-deserved vacation this week. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome, and we invite you to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, leave a review and share Politically Georgia with a friend. Recently, Greg sat down with Atlanta Mayor Andre Dickens to talk about a wide variety of concerns about Atlanta's Public Safety Training Center. In today's episode, you'll hear the mayor address those concerns and how he's forging ahead despite recent events that have included violent protests, a fatal police shooting, and what has become a national outcry. Plus, AJC reporters Riley Bunch and Jeremy Redmond talk to the mayor about the financial and environmental impacts the safety center will have in the community. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Well, Mayor, thank you for sitting down with us today. So let's let's launch right into this. Give us the elevator pitch for why the city needs this proposed public safety center. Yeah, I mean, right now, the city of Atlanta does not have a place where we can uh, train our police officers and firefighters and to be able to go out here and help the community. Uh, I believe that that's a a challenge for a city this size when all of our uh, cities around us, whether that's Gwinnett County, Cobb County, Brookhaven, others, they have a place for firefighters and then they have a place for police to train. Right now, all the places that we have in the city are condemned. So we're borrowing space at Atlanta Metropolitan College. We're traveling hours outside to learn how to be police or learn how to be firefighters. So we need this to protect the citizens and make them safe. But we also need it uh, so that we can do 21st century policing, community-based policing. Uh, Firefighters and police officers work together a lot on things to bring about safety. So we need this. And right now, if we don't have it, we'll continue to rent and be a nuisance to this college that we're borrowing space from, but also that we will um, have an inability to recruit talent to come to our police force and firefighters so they can do what they need to do. This has become one of the most complicated battles of your first term as mayor. Have you been surprised by the pushback and the level of political capital that you've had to invest to making sure this project moves forward? Yeah, I have actually been surprised. You know, I'm a technocrat, right? I'm an engineer. So a lot of things I do, I think about it linearly. So you uh, come into this office and there's a problem with uh, garbage pickup. So we pick up the garbage services on time. You have potholes. We set up a pothole posse so you get it in five days or less. You get your potholes filled. You know, affordable housing, uh, bringing down crime uh, is is something that we've done. I just try to do the things and with a good team, we put things together to make that happen, to effectuate change the way 
way the community has asked. But this public safety training center to have a whole life of its own where outside folks are commenting, commenting on it, that people are talking about it in places I hadn't even expected that folks have come here to talk about it. Um, that was a, that is a surprise. But nonetheless, it's we're still steadfast on getting good community input, community input that says, let's improve this. What could we do? What could we uh, it been, how could we greater in, impact and benefit the community? That's important to me. That goes back to my community member roots, my NPU neighborhood leader roots and nonprofit roots. And I'm understanding the conversation now more and more to be able to say, all right, what what is happening? How can we make sure that we build trust in this area as we've built trust in all the other areas that we've touched as an administration? Well, let's expand on that because you recently went with a number of your aides and, and, and supporters of this project uh, to the members of the community that would be affected by this. And I'm sure you heard from a range of of emotions, some supportive, some not so supportive. What do you tell them? What did you hear and what did you tell them? Yeah, so there's been a stakeholder group for the last year or more that's been meeting monthly to talk about what they'd like to see. And so the things that they've said they wanted to see, a lot of that input has gone into it. They want sidewalks. They want to have access to uh, the facility so they can do their community meetings and have gatherings. They also want the noise to be cut down. So we're moving certain elements from away from the neighborhoods towards the industrial sites so that this is uh, more away from the community and they wanted a 100-foot tree buffer and they wanted the, the, all the various things they've asked for. Now we've uh, agreed to, including reducing the size of it from 150 uh, acres to 85 acres. So the community input around there has been instrumental. And so I wanted to go on my own with my team to go knock on doors and just talk with community members that are in DeKalb County, right? I'm not their mayor uh, directly, but uh, we all have a great relationship with DeKalb County. When I walked around and knocked on doors, I was unaware of what I was going to get. And these members were coming out saying, hey, we need this because these folks are out here in the woods or this has been a dumping ground for so many years. There's old cars out here. There's refrigerators out here, tires out here, paint cans. And they're saying, if you're going to improve this, make a park trail and these things, let's get on with it already so that we can get uh, these uh, you know, things out of, the, uh, out of the woods and make it more productive. I was surprised by that, but I was not, not solely surprised by that, but I was uh, intrigued by that. And there was a few members that was like, you know, what about the forest? And what about um, some of these things that we're hearing about? Like, is there going to be a Black Hawk helicopter over here? And I was like, no, ma'am, no, no Black Hawk helicopters on the cities. <laughs> we can't afford them. You know, so they're like, OK, that was a myth. Yeah, certain things are not true. Did you learn anything from those meetings that will help uh, your response? Uh, is it going to change any of your, your strategy now that you've, you've talked to more people in the community who could be affected by that? Yeah, absolutely. That's why we put together this task force and some of those community members are in this task force and in other stakeholder groups. Um, so what has really helped by talking to the community is, you know, you start to hear that, OK, this side of the, of the facility feels this way. They're really ready to go. This side wants a few more conversations about now, once you do this, how else will we uh, be able to benefit? They're, you know, folks are asking about McNair High School, like what can they have access to this park for cross country track runs? I'm like, hey, Let's talk about it. I hadn't thought about that, right? Um, the, the the sidewalks will enhance the ability to get to the school. And so, you know, can this school be able to have workforce development opportunities for their kids during the site uh, construction? 
things that are coming up from the community are now making me even more broader in my view of it and how we should can create more benefits for the community uh, to, to, to understand it for sure, but also to participate in it. So it's helping. Mayor, not so long ago in a clip that got a lot of traction on social media, you were heckled at a, at a meeting of HBCU students um, who have pushed back on this idea. What are you saying specifically to the African-American community about the, the, this project when they're raising concerns about what it could mean? Yeah, I want to sink into that a little bit because, you know, I went to Morehouse and asked the president, can I meet with your uh, student body and leadership? And he said yes. And so he said, can I make it open to other AUC students? So he, we went and had Morehouse, Spelman, Clark, Morris Brown, anybody with an AUC um, badge could get in a pass. And we had a lot of students there and it was slated for an hour and a half. I stayed there three and a half hours. So when you see a little clip and you see me, I'm there for three and a half hours. I literally answered every single question. We had lines over here and lines over here. Get to the mic. I probably answered, you know, dozens and dozens, maybe a hundred questions. I don't know how many. They just kept coming and I would answer and then I would turn to the next side and answer. And during that process, an hour or two in, a young woman, I don't know what school she attends, but she yelled out some pretty nasty things to me. And I said, hey, get in line if you can, because that's how we do this thing. If you're in line, I will answer any question. But if you're, 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 you're robbing someone else from the time that they're getting when they get to ask a question, so get in line. And she mumbled some things and I kept on answering questions. She blurted out again, even worse, explicit at me and yelled at me and called me some racially charged negative names, including sellout and some other things that I don't want to say. And my my immediate reaction was, listen, I give, gave you a chance to get in line and you called me a sellout and some other things. You don't know me well enough to call me a sellout. I grew up in this community. I've been black a whole long time. Right. So you can't out black me or any whatever this is that you're trying to do. I'm telling you that I know real victims and I know real community members. And what they want is to make sure that we are all safe. And so what I'm trying to do is get feedback from you on how we can do more of that. But calling me a sellout because I want to help enhance the community, keep more people safe. And I know that there's a whole lot of school teachers that want their kids that are, you know, trying to be pulled into gangs. They want us to do some stuff about that. We got parents that have come to the very microphone at Atlanta City Council saying, what can y'all do to, what can the police do to help my kid who is now going off the deep end? How can you guys help that? I know real people because I've asked, I've been around this community a long time. I got friends that are in jail and I got friends that have been victims. Once you have a worldview that's as rounded as I have, you want to be a little bit more conversant than to be yelled at and called names and have accusations thrown at you all because you're trying to provide safety for the community. Let's talk about the police response because a few weeks ago, 23 people at the site were arrested and charged with domestic terrorism counts. They carry potential sentences of between five and 35 years in prison. Critics, of course, are saying this is disproportionate to the offenses that they could have violated. Do you consider these, um, these defendants domestic terrorists? And do you agree with the decision by police officers to charge them with this violation? Yeah, what, what I'm charged with is being able to make sure that this thing, that the community is safe and that when you light Molotov cocktails, you throw fireworks at police officers and Molotov cocktails and rocks at anybody. You throw a rock at anybody, whether it's a police officer or whether it's another citizen, you will be arrested. That's just, that's just, you could do that today on 
on Mitchell Street, you're going to be arrested. Not that it occurred at the Public Safety Training Center or near that site. So no matter what, we're, we're conducting the law. And the law is that if you go into the woods and you say that you're having a festival and then halfway through that festival, you've convinced everybody that you're on, you know, music interests. And then you go change clothes into black riot gear and you have accelerants and fireworks and gas and, and, and shields and masks. And you come work charging towards another group of people. People burning up equipment, burning right near a Georgia Power huge transformer power line that feeds downtown, you could have caused even more damage. So you should be arrested. And my job is to make sure that the police and the firefighters have the tools to uh, stop that and to put out the fire. But I don't make charges. I'm not a judge. I'm not a prosecutor and I'm not the police. So I don't set the charges. They got charges that the police and the uh, prosecutor thought were appropriate. And now it's carried out in court. So you're not rendering a verdict on whether you think that the charges fit the potential crime? I think there were crimes, and so they sit in jail because of those crimes. Gotcha. Well, look, um, you came into your first term with this far-ranging policy agenda. You've declared 2023 the the year of the youth. Um, You have a a number of items that you're already working on. But are you concerned that the choices you made regarding this project will end up defining your first term in office? Because when you were running for election, this was one of many issues you talked about, but it might not have been the top of mind. No, it it wasn't the top of mind. And I'll be honest, each day I try to wake up and convince myself that this shouldn't be top of mind because I still am truly dedicated to declaring this year the year of the youth. And I try to make sure that each week I'm going to visit schools. Each each week I'm making sure that our midnight basketball plans are evolving and moving forward. Each week I'm making sure that we evaluate these nonprofits that we're giving grants to so that they can continue to help. So I try to wake up and at, at Sometimes it's a forced uh, first thought because, generally speaking, my phone might have something from Public Safety Training Center. But I'm making sure that this is the year of the youth and that this won't affect that. I'm also making sure that people are safe. When I wake up and Lisa Gordon, my COO and police chief, who we meet with every morning, they say, no shootings and no homicides last night, Mayor, uh, ready for 8.30, our meeting. That feels real, real good, Greg. And it used to not feel so good, right? And so right now, I'm trying to keep those things in mind as we talk most of the day about, you know, people that's asking us questions on Public Safety Training Center. But I still have a whole city to run. Somebody right now wants a pothole field. I got to make sure that we're prepared for that. Somebody right now is thinking about, hey, you know, are you coming to make sure that my park equipment gets fixed because spring is coming. Uh, the, the yard the yard waste is getting picked up. I have to run a whole city because over time, you know, you, you'll be um, judged by how impactful you were on moving the city forward. And this right here is an important part of the infrastructure that helps move the city forward. And I just wish that we would do a better job of having the open communication versus some of the you know, stuff that's out there. I'll ask you about that in a second, but are you committed to this project, this public safety project going forward 100% no matter what? So I'm committed to making sure that we get something built that will enable our police officers and firefighters to train. This site is uh, has already been improved greatly to make sure that it has uh, little impact, as less impact as possible on community, but a greater benefit to the community because of this large park that we're going to build with green space and trails, etc. I remember just two years ago when this was voted on by the city council and we voted to approve it um, at the same time. 
There was protesters outside our house because we were virtual back then. Outside each of our houses that, you know, they were banging on doors, banging on pots and pans. They had the same, you know, strength and fire that they wanted to have about that. And the city council voted in favor of it. So this has been approved. The EPD has looked at our plans and approved it. DeKalb County has given us permits after a year of review and approving it. Injunctions were filed in Fulton County and those were denied. So this has stood the test of legality and environmental protection agency and those things. So we're standing on an approved ground. This ground is approved by city council, by Fulton County, by the cab, as well as by the EPD. Uh, trucks could be moving right now, but I'm also I'm also having a conversation with the community that I want it to be a fair and balanced conversation. Uh, because when I talk to Ms. Jones in Cascade or, or Mr. Brown that's in Southeast Atlanta, he wants us to get on with it because it's important for our public safety. They don't have Twitter. They don't have these, uh, they don't spend all day with a hashtag. They spend all day trying to make sure that their nieces and nephews and grandsons are safe. And that goes into my next question, Mayor, because, you know, the, we're starting to see the, the beginnings of this project, but it could take years. And so is the institutional capital there from your office to see this project through if we could be talking about these same issues, protest demonstrators, um, you name it, you know, two years from now, three years from now. Yeah, I hope not. Uh, you know, Atlanta has been chosen for a lot of things. People are moving here each and every day. I'm spending a lot of time trying to make sure the people that are here are able to pay their mortgages, uh, just like what we did with Tyler Perry to make sure these seniors can afford uh, these tax bills. And I'm trying to make sure this place is a place of opportunity for folks and that the future is bright for everybody, keeping the city whole, but also uh, growing this city in a balanced way. And this should not you know, take up more of our brain space and our interest and all the other things that were here long before I got here into this seat. And so, you know, this isn't my fault, but it is my problem to deal with. And I like to see things through. I know that there's enough people that are interested in the future of us having a safe city and a city that gives people the opportunities. One or the other could affect you. So if you don't provide for safety, you could be affected because no one wants to develop opportunities here. And if you are safe, but you don't provide opportunities for people to thrive, you can also be hurt. So it's a both and, and I think, you know, we're prepared to do that. Do you have any regrets about how your administration has handled this, the misinformation, uh, the response, the police actions, anything? I would say the biggest regret is that we weren't nimble in the beginning. The, the first year of my administration, we were hiring so many people to get up to speed. We were making initiatives, setting the vision, cleaning up things like Forest Cove, People's Town. I mean, we had old outstanding issues, lawsuits with folks that long had need to be dismissed. We were making sure that we were building a lot of affordable housing, getting the Beltline moving, making sure that these, you know, these youth had opportunities. We did a lot in the first year and we blew past the fact that, well, DeKalb is working on the permit. They're working on the permit. We keep working on what we're working on. So had we gone into campaign mode again, gone knock on doors, go talk to people, build up an army of folks that are saying, let's do this, we could have we could have got ahead of some of these folks that are, you know, you know, you know, going on it right now. Um, so from a political and communication standpoint, maybe we could have done some things to get out ahead of it so that the narrative would have been in our favor. Uh, so this makes us an uphill battle, but we still have the facts in our favor more so than the narrative. And that's what we're trying to balance that out. So if there's a lesson, campaign mode never ends in, in the mayor's office. 
Whether you like sadly, <laughs> sadly, you're in one campaign or another. And uh, I can tell you, as I was knocking on doors on Sunday, going into DeKalb County and knocked on doors on Wednesday, and we have some more door knocking planned, I, I certainly was feeling like <laughs> I had a T-shirt on that said, vote for me. Flashbacks to 21. <laughs> I had flashbacks getting out there, uh, being a little sweaty and talking to people. And, um, and, and you know, but now it's a little different because folks in their conversation with you, can I get a picture? <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned big events. And here's my my next question, which is, do you worry that all this tumult over public the Public Safety Center could jeopardize Atlanta's bid for the DNC? But not just the DNC, but other major events that could be coming down the line. I keep it in my mind, but I don't let it lead. Uh, Atlanta doesn't have to have um, festivals and events at, at scale, uh, uh, more so than they need to have safety and more so than they need to have people having opportunities. Um, I will very much be happy that we're having FIFA World Cup, that we are chosen to have the National Football Championship. And yes, my phone is ready at any moment when Biden calls me and says, let's do the DNC in Atlanta. All those things I'm very interested in, but none of those are more important than uh, making sure that every Atlantan feels safe and actually is safe and that we also have thriving community. So um, I'm going to work on what Atlanta needs to do while we also stay attractive to the rest of the nation. People still choose Atlanta. The NLC is having their conference here in Atlanta also in November. African American Mayors Association just voted two or three weeks ago to do their conference here in Atlanta later uh, this year. Like folks are still like, they, maybe they caught me. My fraternity wants to do it here in Atlanta. Like everybody is calling saying we want to do things in Atlanta. So I, I, I don't think that this is hurting us. I think this is a part of a conversation that uh, I, I've heard from other mayors. It's like, man, you're getting it. We're actually building a public safety you know, training center. You know, there's usually we're the only one that's building one that's like both police and fire. They're like, we believe we're building a police uh, facility and nobody's talking to us about it. Keep your you know stuff over there. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've asked you about the prospects of of you know you abandoning the project or pulling back, but is there any chance of the lease being amended or, or, or even revoked? We can look at that. Um, I don't think that that's necessarily the first thing I'm going to look at, though. I mean, this was voted on by the city council. This was approved. Uh, it's moved through. I don't know what change what eliminating a lease would do. Um, it could, you know, eliminate the lease and you still, we still own the land. We've owned this land that uh, for decades has been, first it was a police academy, then it was, you know, and it was also a, a, a prison farm and a, por a portion of it. All of that now has rubble for buildings, uh, burnt out cars in the middle of it, paint cans all over the place, like thousands of paint cans, thousands and thousands of tires that People have burned over time. Animals, I mean, like everything that you would not want to just be hanging out in there is in there, refrigerators. So, uh, you know, you could change the lease, but you won't change the fact that these grounds need to be uh, enhanced so that individuals in the community can have a benefit. Um, and you will still need to find a place for us to train police officers and train firefighters because careful as I might need to say this to you so that you know that we are still good on insurance, good on being able to respond. Right now, we do not have a place of our own that is training the, the state's largest police force and the state's largest fire force. That's scary. We need to make sure we do that. So we can talk about leases, but what we need to do is talk about what provides uh, the balanced approach to safety that also has safety and justice at heart. The bottom line. Well, thank you so much, Mayor. All right.
And just ahead, Mayor Dickens talks with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Riley Bunch and Jeremy Redmond about what kind of role the city council has, as well as what the mayor is doing to address the environmental concerns of the Public Safety Training Center. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of Black people. It's a product of Black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And we're back with the Politically Georgia podcast. We think the Morning Jolt newsletter sets the stakes and the agenda in Georgia politics. And you can get it in your inbox every morning if you're a subscriber to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can join the community now by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast and get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you always know what's really going on. Our exclusive coverage of Atlanta Mayor Andre Dickens and the Atlanta Public Safety Training Center continues as he speaks with the AJC's Riley Bunch and Jeremy Redmond. So I obviously I'm covering city council and there's been a lot of different opinions on city council about what should be done, who has the authority to do what. And I wanted to start out with what is your understanding about the lease agreement, what you have the authority to do versus what city council has the authority to do? Can they cancel it if they want to? Was that your understanding when you voted on it? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so my understanding is city council voted, and that was an official action in 2021 to move forward with this lease and with all these other um, you know, projections and site plans, et cetera. So that's a very real thing that occurred. And um, I can, I think, do something about a lease if I wanted to, like change it, amend it, renegotiate it. I have that authority invested in me by the vote that the city council took. So we can amend it or change it, et cetera. Uh, city council can take an action that, you know, additional actions if they sh- should want to recommend some things to me. That's always available to the city council. Um, and I think that the city council is, you know, is, is you know, it's very members of the city council. So some members are boisterous for it. Some members are, you know, gaining more understanding as they as things go on and, and, and want to hear more. Um, so, you know, I think that everybody's having a human experience towards this right now. Sometimes you're, you know, hearing things that you want to comment on. And sometimes you're like, no, I'm solid where I'm at. And I'm curious if in a world there was a cancellation of the project, you didn't want to move forward, have you been advised by city lawyers that you guys could face litigation of any sort? I have not asked that or even gone down that path. Gotcha. Not not on the table as no, of right now. Not on the table as of right now. 
And in terms of the price tag of the project, so we hear estimates of $90 million. There's other similar projects across the country that have gone over that. You know, are there assurances that this is going to be the final cost? And if not, are taxpayers on the hook for additional funds? Well, I mean, just like anything, every right now, inflation affects everything, right? So if, if the cost of eggs are up, we've been talking about that for the last two months, then the cost of a lot of other things are up. So the cost of construction materials, labor, and interest rates are high. So every day that we, every month, there's a payment, you know, when you get further and further into the construction cycle. So I am seeing road projects that we have planned that now cost more than they did when a year ago when they were voted on. So it's reasonable to expect that there could be some uh, cost inflations that we'll have to try to manage like we manage every other project that we have in the city. So fire stations that are in our Move Atlanta Forward plan, which is, you know, got four fire stations in it and one police station. We're careful and we're watching those things as they, uh, you know, contractors come to us and say, we're still okay on our price, but if more material increases and construction costs go up, we'll have to send you an invoice for more. Yeah, it's a unique situation because the Atlanta Police Foundation is flipping a lot of the bill. So would you advocate for them to take on extra pricing or would the city have to put more funds toward it? Yeah, so the, um, the the way our portion is going to come about is that there's a city council authorized $30 million and uh, some packages to be utilized. I don't anticipate going back if some if a contractor says, oh, this is a million dollars more for us to have to go there that way to find it, we'll have to find it somewhere else, which would likely be through uh, philanthropic dollars, which is managed by the Atlanta uh, Police Foundation. Gotcha. And, you know, there has been a lot of concern with the Atlanta Police Foundation, a lot of unanswered questions, complaints that there aren't specifics on the table. What responsibility do you see that the Police Foundation has to answer these questions, maybe have a presentation in front of Atlanta City Council and kind of, you know, be there to support the project and talk about what they're doing? Well, so that's a delicate walk. I mean, just in, in, in my most honest conversation about this, you can bait the police foundation to have a conversation that later people say, why is the police foundation always talking about this? <laughs> right. So you literally will say, I want them on the record when I'm on the record right now. I'm literally on the talking to the organ of the city. Right. And I'm very available to have this conversation. I'm knocking on doors around this community. I'm going around establishing a task force. I want the conversation to be had and the conversation to be open. And I'm available for the city council. So asking the police foundation to do what they did in 2021 to rehash that vote again is not necessary when you actually have a mayor that's right here having these conversations about the what ifs and whys and those things. So next month, the project will face another obstacle uh, when a petition comes before the decap zoning appeals board. Um, DeKalb Commissioner Ted Terry and some of the homeowners have filed the complaint, among other things, are citing environmental concerns, uh, particularly uh, citing how it could potentially damage Entrenchment Creek. Um, I'm interested to hear you respond to that. One of the applicants, for example, told me they hope that this zoning appeal will halt the project entirely. Could you respond to that? Um, and could you hazard tell us kind of your projection for what will happen with yeah. this petition? Yeah, I got a four- answers to that because you had the last part. I don't make projections because um, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I'm not even over the Cap County 
that that body is totally separate and like even Atlanta zoning is separate but the Cavs zoning for me is extremely sec- separate so I can't really predict what they're going to do but going off of what has occurred the other times that those individuals the same folks that are um you know uh, looking for legal action against us the same results are probably going to occur that has occurred when they went to DeKalb County uh, trying to stop this, when they went to Fulton County trying to stop this, and the EPD has weighed in on this. So all of the uh, bodies that respond to these lawsuits have responded saying that the city, uh, that this project is in good standing. And so when the EPD has issued their statement, which you can go see it and have it in hand, uh, we show these things to people and they go, wow, I didn't know that you know, people are project, presenting this like it's not favorable by environmentalists. Well, the EPD said it's okay. It's double erosion. Is you know, lead certified buildings, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so that's one of my answers. Is uh, these individuals continue to try to take legal action, but they continue to get uh, you know stymied or told otherwise. So that's the other thing. The third thing is you mentioned one um, commissioner. And I respect all commissioners, so therefore I'm happy that there's others that are supportive of this when there may be one that's not. Um, I've had a conversation with Ted Terry directly, uh, and and our conversation was actually a middle ground, which was, you know, hey, how can we, you know, what task force can we put together? What community members can be a part of it? How can the Sierra Club be included? And I said, yes, yes, yes. Would love your input. Would love these folks' conversations. So, so from a singular commissioner standpoint, I've had great conversations with him and said, hey, how do you want to put in on this? And he even referred it. And so the second thing is I've had lots of conversations with another commissioner, Larry Johnson, who is also over this area, who knocked on doors with me and was there uh, on both times. So commissioner to commissioner, hearts and minds might differ, but my interaction with them is still uh, significantly available. And the last thing is. All of them are responding to something beyond the Public Safety Training Center. This has been an issue for DeKalb County, whether it's dealing with a studio, whether it's dealing with a land swap. I'm coming into uh, a situation where temperatures were already a little higher um, because of other previous incidents that had nothing to do with the city of Atlanta, nothing to do with a public safety training center, and yet here we are on top of that. So I get the sensitivity that we didn't cause, but we are additive on top of Uh, Mary, you were there. Uh, I talked to uh, Mark Bolton, who met with you. Um, You were just there, and uh, you probably heard some of what I'm going to ask you about is people on both sides of the debate, whether they oppose the project or support it, are dealing with a lot of nuisance right now. Um, Noise from protesters, noise from the police responding to the protesters. Um, Do you sympathize with them on uh, these folks? And then what is your message to them? Given, as Greg had mentioned, the construction for this project could go into 2025. So some of these sorts of things could continue for some time. Yeah, I mean, one, I am glad that I walked the neighborhood. It reminded me of walking a neighborhood that re- reminds me of my own. There were people there. They were, uh, some of them were in their yard and look around, hey, that's the mayor, let me talk. And I wave and people are on their way to and from the grocery store, kids with strollers and people just walking and they start coming out. I mean, sometimes I wasn't even walking up to the door. They were already coming out. And so these community members were voicing their support for it as well as, hey, a lot of them were saying, when can you get this going? Because we're tired of the potential threats of protests and 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 police response to it. 
And so you're right, as you uh, have talked to the community members, they share the exact same thing with me, which is let's, you know, let's move forward, but keep us engaged. We want to have our voice in that community stakeholder advisory group. Um, and I've only been to two of those neighborhoods and I'm going to, you know, more as we go on. I, I've, you know, I'm doing an hour and a half at each and this, you know, it takes a lot of time to get there and set it up. And so as I keep going, I'm hearing more. I'm sure I'll hear more people say things that are, hey, yeah, but or how about and that I'm open to. And so um, I, I feel for them as a community that they are ground zero of a national conversation now that they weren't invited to, um, that they just got added to the party. I, they also, also to a person has said, we don't like p- people putting words in our mouths. Uh, we don't like people speaking for us that don't represent us. Um, there have been protesters that have said, these whole communities don't want it. And when I get there, these folks are like, no, we are ready for it. We want our trail. We want this firing range to be moved like you you know, you know, plan to do. They gave us that advice. They want us to move the, the shooting range. We're moving them. We're also adding sidewalls. Oh, I can get around my community now, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm more you know, supportive of how they are interacting with us than someone who doesn't live here. On the same vein, right now, the protests, the ones that have been violent, have targeted construction equipment and things like that. But once you start building, it's a lot harder to protect um, things that are going up in the air and actual buildings. Is there any plans to increase security um, in that area as construction moves along? Yeah. uh, Right now, I think we have the adequate amount of police presence at the site and around the site. And, um, you know, DeKalb County is uh, doing their part to protect those areas that are adjacent to our site. Because remember, we're in unincorporated DeKalb County. And so they're um, they they get it because they have parks over there. They have green space that people are living in. Um, A a lot of this stuff people are saying is the public safety training center site. It's really not. It's it's adjacent to it and it's not even our own land in certain areas. And so uh, DeKalb County and others have to protect that, whereas we're ready and capable of protecting the um, the site that we'll be doing construction on. We'll make sure that construction workers and construction equipment can get in there and do their work. Uh, I feel confident at that. And also, remember, we still have a whole city to maintain uh, safety. So uh, as we add police presence there, we still have to make sure that uh, every other neighborhood and business in Atlanta is safe. And last one for me, at least. Um, we had an environmental activist killed Um, in regards to this. And there's a lot of conflicting reports on what happened, but what are you doing to ensure that a situation like that doesn't happen again and we don't lose a life regardless of whose it is? Yeah, I mean, I'm still like, you know, still saddened by the loss of life anywhere in the city of Atlanta or Metro Atlanta and definitely anything that's attached to an activity that that we're a part of. Um, so there is an environmental activist that was killed on this site or near this site, not on this site, but in this area. Um, and that individual was shot by Georgia State Patrol that were out there in an um, exercise, an activity, were um, clearing the area from people that had been in the woods. And so this, this occupation of this green space has occurred since before the Public Safety Training Center. They have been occupying these spaces before we got there in, you know, in opposition to the studio there, in opposition to the land swap, in protection of certain other elements out there in DeKalb County. And so over time, more 
explosions and things have occurred and big uh, bonfires of uh, tires. And so when you get to this point to where individuals have been asked to clear the woods and they have a gun and a shootout occurs, I don't know all the details. The GBI is investigating it. It does not directly involve Atlanta police, um, but it does involve you know proximity to our site. Uh, so what I'm doing is making sure that our officers know, you know, the protocols that we have in place, which is, you know, we, we, we try to make sure that we are uh, de-escalating um, situations as much as possible, continue to de-escalate, uh, to use the appropriate use of force whenever necessary. And, you know, hopefully uh, with good surveillance that we have, we can be aware of any threats that are occurring, just like those individuals that were saying they were at a music concert and then that they changed into riot gear and had explosives with them. We were able to see that through surveillance, either from our um, you know, helicopter or from cameras in the area. So we'll be mindful and watchful to, to watch for um, things that escalate. Well, thanks to the AJC's Riley Bunch and Jeremy Redmond, as well as our own political insider, Greg Bluestein, for that interview. Join us Friday for a Politically Georgia Breakdown crossover special podcast. I will be joined by Breakdown hosts Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman for a close-up look at the New York indictments of former President Donald Trump. We'll also talk about the fallout and the reaction, as well as the potential impact it could have on the Fulton County case here in Georgia. Let us know if you have any questions about the Trump indictment or the Fulton County case for this Friday's episode. You can call the Politically Georgia hotline anytime at 770-810-5297. That's 770-810-5297. And we'll also include that number in today's episode description. Well, thanks so much for listening to the Politically Georgia podcast. You can count on new episodes to come out every Wednesday, every Friday, or whenever news breaks. We'll see you next time on the Politically Georgia podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.